We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This is episode 242 of the pod. Alongside Matt Rooney, I am Joe Moose. Life after football has begun, but fear not. we got a way to get some NFL action into the pod as well. Uh, we're going to talk NBA second half, some Bulls futures, some playoff picks. Also, we're going to do a division a week. We're going to go around the NFL, talk needs of each and every team in the NFL. This week, we're talking NFC West. We're going to head west and then make our way back east. We thought maybe we start in the NFC North because it's our home division, but there's some news that could happen there in the coming weeks. We're going to hold off on the north. We're going to start out west, hit you with some buy or sells. We're also going to recap the golf trip. Of oh, all yeah. golf trips. Now, now this was not Matt Rooney's golf trip. This was TJR's golf trip. It was. A happy birthday and a tip of the cap to the best-dressed man on that golf trip. We're going to get a, a little bit of a preview, a little bit of a tease, and then next week you might get a full Rooney family podcast to break down an amazing golf trip on the West Coast that spanned Pebble Beach, Pasatiempo, Spanish Bay. What am I missing? What am I missing, Matt? Yeah, I mean, you Spyglass guys Hill. You can't. You can't. You cannot forget. But we'll get into that. Spy, you can't forget so Spyglass Hill. We're gonna get into. We're gonna get a some of that today, and that's gonna be in depth next week. I will not be on the pod next week because I'm making a trip to the NFL Draft Combine. I'll have some information uh, on the tail end of that, which would be what Moose and Runes two forty four. Let's not get ahead of ourselves because we got two forty two on deck right now. And always, first and foremost, most importantly, Matt Rooney. How the hell are you? I am. I am doing lovely. Okay, like you, you brought up that. Why do you always sound trip. like you're not ready for me to ask you that? Like, well, there's I'm, always like a I, like. There's I was thinking. I, I was there. no. I was thinking of the adjective of what I wanted to go with after after that after a trip like I that got because I, got I feel lovely. That's the best golf trip I'll ever I feel be on. That, that I feel. I, I, I have a trip to Scotland planned later. Planned this summer for a, for a cousin of the pod's birthday. But like. That is the, the golf trip to Pebble Beach. I played the best golf course I will ever play in Pebble Beach. I just there is not going to be a golf course that will top it unless somehow I win the lottery and become the CEO of IBM and get a master or a, a membership at Augusta. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played in Spyglass Hill, what I thought was the most underrated and surprising golf, surprisingly unbelievable golf course I could have imagined. That was. We went in with obviously high expectations because it's Spyglass Hill at you know the Pebble Beach Resort. I think all four of us left that saying that's a a top two or three golf course any of us had ever played in our lives. And after that trip, I I still have that hold that in that high of regard. That that golf course was absolutely amazing, and the other two were were awesome in, in their own right. But Pebble Beach and, and Spyglass Hill were just every expectation you have for it, they exceeded. Yeah, I we'll get into it all here in a moment, but. Um... I think it's, I don't know, I haven't experienced it. You'd know better. But for my money, probably the best domestic golf trip you can take. I'm not sure that there's like, I'm not sure that there's four golf courses within a 25-mile radius anywhere in the country um, that you could knock out and say this was a better golf trip. And let's let's have the caveat here of public golf especially. There's probably, you could probably do, I mean, 25 miles of me right now. You got winged foot. Uh, You could get out to, if you're 25 miles as the crow flies, you can get out to the Hamptons and play Friars Head National. Mm -hmm. Like there's there's some amazing golf, but like you got to know somebody who knows somebody. Or like you said, be the COO of IBM. Um, Mm -hmm. Public golf trip. I'm not sure that there's a better one than the one that you just took, but let's not get ahead of ourselves here. We are going to begin in the association. Second half of the NBA begins on Thursday night. I mean, let these guys kick their feet up for a week. Shout out to the NBA for protecting the players. I thought the same thing. Like, checking the schedule, like, a couple days ago, like, when when we got, uh, got back from vacation on Monday, I was like, all right, what do we got on tonight? Like, when when do the Bulls play this week? I was like, oh, they're just not back till Thursday, so they get a full week off. Like, must be nice there, guys. Like, if you're not if you're not an all star, you essentially get a nine day break. I believe yeah. it is. Something I would like love that. to see or where those guys are going on vacation. Or if you're James Harden and you're an all star and you just refuse to play for a month, James Harden is going to be like I think twenty nine days between action as a Brooklyn Net when he went down with that uh, hamstring uh, it, and then when he's expected to come out and play with the Sixers, that's if he, if he 
debuts in their first game back. I believe it'll be close to exactly a month uh, between games. And I think that's a good place to start here. Philadelphia, uh, Brooklyn, they're just forever linked for the rest of this season and mm-hmm. beyond, as long as these two players are members of those two teams, that being Ben Simmons and James Harden. Uh, those represent your two... No, they don't represent your top two favorites, if I'm remembering correctly. The, the odds go Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and then closely behind Milwaukee is Philadelphia for odds to win the Eastern Conference. Those are your three front runners. Uh, the Bulls still present some value further down the board. I'll pull up the numbers here in a moment. Uh, but, mm-hmm. Matt, I'll ask you this. Of that trade, just those two sides here, Brooklyn and the 76ers, going to be in the spotlight for the remainder of the season. Do you feel like one team is better equipped to make this run to the finish line and through the playoffs? I think both teams actually got themselves in a better position, if that makes like I, I From where they were. Yeah, yeah I like Ben that. Simmons wasn't he just he wasn't going to play and I, I saw you had a tweet about it and I think what he did, you know, claiming mental health you know, issues all season and then saying, Hey, I'm actually fine gonna play the second got traded, I think that was not a good thing to do. I think that's uh, kind of a slap in the face to people who are actually going through a whole lot of mental health issues, but that's not something we have to really get into um, in terms of just strictly basketball. He wasn't going to play, and the Sixers just went out and got James Harden, who's a top 10 player in the NBA. He's a top 10 scorer in the NBA and seems like a very good kind of inside-out complement with Joel Embiid. Um, that puts the Sixers as as rightfully they should be, you know, a top two, three odds favored team in the East. And I think in terms of Brooklyn, like James Harden was obviously a very good player, but one, he didn't want to be there. And two, like he was doing a good job of it, but he was kind of being more of the facilitator role because that's what the Nets needed him to do. Where I don't think that's what he really wanted to do. I think he's obviously Mm -hmm. more of a scorer has been his whole career. And I think it allows Ben Simmons who, is never going to have the pressure to be a scorer, uh, not have to feel that pressure that he did in Philly. And Philly had to kind of be the number two option behind Embiid. Tobias Harris, obviously, a really nice player there, but it was Simmons and Embiid always. Um, with KD, with Kyrie when he's allowed to play, with guys like Joe Harris, like Ben Simmons doesn't have to shoot more than, you know, seven or eight times a game if he doesn't really want to he has to play defense he has to distribute the ball and he has to be you know a a guy that kind of makes that offense go uh which the nets is as much star power as they had didn't really have that they had a guy in harden who was kind of adapting to that role instead of being a natural fit for that role so i with with where they were at uh, I, I think both teams actually got a lot better and, and increased their chances at winning these. Yeah, I think I think both teams, um, we talk about the air in the building here on the Motion News Podcast. I think both teams maybe freshened up the air in the building, at least for the moment. Very much so. Because, because you're talking about two of the more divisive players who have fractured locker rooms in the past, in James Harden and in Ben Simmons. So to assume that they're going to come into these situations and it's going to be all rainbows and sunshine is probably a false assumption. Maybe for this season they play the role of, you know, smile big and play your part like Harden did last year in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. But if things go awry or if, if there's an injury or if, or if hard times come down that road, those are the first two guys to jump ship. And let's not pretend like that's not the case and it hasn't happened time and again here. Do I think that these are two very good teams? Yes. Do I think that both of them have a good chance to represent the Eastern Conference? Yes. I do think if you're going to make me choose between Philadelphia or Brooklyn, I think Philadelphia is better equipped to represent the Eastern Conference. There's just so many question marks around Brooklyn right Mm -hmm. now with the health of Kevin Durant, uh, with the vaccine status of or lack thereof of Kyrie Irving and what the New York mandate is going to be like. All signs point to that being uh, loosened and Kyrie by the end of the season playing games in Brooklyn, but that's an assumption. We're also assuming that Ben Simmons and – I'll raise my hand here. Um, I did tweet about him leveraging mental health, which I maintain he did. If he's going through something, we're hoping the best for him, and we're hoping that he can either play through it or get good, get to a point mentally where he can play and be productive and you know put his talents on display because, as you put it, one of the most talented basketball players in the world, especially when he's in that facilitator role. But when your top three players all have a question mark surrounding their mm-hmm. name, I can't attach that much confidence or dollar amount to you in terms of a future bet. Philadelphia's biggest question mark is also health, but Joel Embiid has not 
had any issues in that department or any major issues in that department this season. Now, coming down the stretch last year, remember, he hurt himself. I think it was an ankle, and that really threw a wrench into their playoff plan. Was it an ankle or a knee? I forget what it was. It was, it seems, it was like lower it seems, body with him. Always like second, is. Second half of the season, Joel Embiid has to go through some sort of lower body injury and play through it mm-hmm. or sit down for a few weeks. So they're one rolled ankle away from a tough situation. Um, and I think that they won this trade overall. Um, and I go back and forth on that. I think they won this trade in terms of keeping what they wanted to keep. They kept Tyrese Maxey. They kept Matisse Thybulle, which everyone thought those two guys were going to have to, in some form, be a part of this trade if they were mm-hmm. going to make it happen. They do do lose some depth in their uh, front court in terms of uh, Andre Drummond leaving. That's a, a big-time rebounder. Brooklyn needed that big time. So you could say they won the trade because they got that and they got a shooter in Seth Curry. So I think, like you said, both of these teams got better in terms of what they needed. But I also think that that ice they're skating on is very thin on both sides of this conversation. Long story short, Milwaukee's my favorite to win the East. I'll give you my pick to win the East right now at 3-1. to one. I think the Milwaukee Bucks for the second straight year are representing the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I just I, they're somehow flying under the radar as the defending NBA champions with you know, he, he might not be the MVP this year, but probably the best player in basketball, and or at least the most unguardable player in basketball in Giannis. Like, I, if it's possible, and it is, they are an underrated team as the defending NBA champions. They're they're two and a half out of first place. I haven't watched a ton of them this year, but they kind of got off to a you know that slower start, but now they're kind of rounding into form, and they're. They're really, really good. I don't know why they're not necessarily. Now they're three to one, so they're getting obviously respect to win the East. But like, I don't know why we have them behind Brooklyn and we have them behind Philly when they're the one team that's actually been able to close in recent years, and the other teams have always kind of presented problems or had problems present themselves. Like, I should say. So I think when we're looking at these future bets, it's a number of things, and you outlined one of them. Milwaukee, they sidestepped out of the gate and then sort of limped into the break. I think they're losers in three of their last mm-hmm. four right now, but. We haven't seen their big three play together all that often this year. I don't have an exact number on it, but I guess that it's in the high teens. Uh, Drew Holiday, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Middleton, and Giannis all on the court at the same time. I, I mean, you saw Giannis during the All-Star break. I'm not sure how much of it you saw being on your trip, but nobody plays harder. I mean, he's trying to play defense during the All-Star game. He's jacked up during the skills competition. I'm not sure that there's a guy that loves playing basketball more than Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like, he, he just, he's still in this, like, phase, and I don't think because of who he is, I don't think that he's going to lose that anytime soon. Whereas some of these stars are a little bit jaded to regular season basketball. I think that Giannis represents that perfect intersection of all-world talent and just youthful exuberance that he meets the game with. I think that, that there's some value there. But in terms of the number attached to the team name, Vegas also can only expose themselves to so much um, of each team. And because Brooklyn and Philadelphia are the splashy names, they have to have those short odds. And then you meet Milwaukee with those odds, so they're taking an equal number of bets or they're not getting too lopsided one way or the other exposed to one team in case Brooklyn does make it, in case Philly does make it. You know, Milwaukee's number, I think, is representative of where it should be. I think Brooklyn's number should be a little longer than it should, than it is right now at 3-1. So I. I think Brooklyn's closer to a Miami at 5.5 to 1, maybe even say five or four seventy five um, with Philadelphia being right in that neighborhood as well. I think Milwaukee should be your favorite at three to one. Nobody shorter than that. I think that Brooklyn and Philadelphia is more representative of an exposure number. So I don't think you're getting great value on either of those two teams. Yeah. I don't think there's really any value with them on either of those teams, Brooklyn, especially like you were saying, there's just, there's too many question marks for them to have, you know, to be favorites in any conference right now. Um, Interesting to sprinkle on those bullies. At I was going to say, one? you know, you, you mentioned the Miami heat there at five to one, they're tied for the Eastern conference lead along with our bulls like what are the bulls at you say i'll say it again what are the bulls at bulls are at 15 to 1 15 to 1 to win the east 15 to 1 to win the east um they are yes i am interested in sprinkling they are sixth favorites miami is five and a half to one boston 11 to one boston is the hottest team in basketball right now they found it over the last month of the regular or the last month before the all-star break nine they look amazing look at them they look fantastic 
I do think that the Bulls should be. I don't get the that, Bulls being. I think 15, the Bulls should be in yeah. that neighborhood I, because you know they've been winning through injury as well. Are they equipped to take on Brooklyn or Milwaukee? I don't know. Are they equipped to take on Miami and Boston? Absolutely, one hundred percent. I I don't know how Miami. Is five and a half to one with the Chicago Bulls having nearly three times worse odds to win the East. Yeah, I, I don't make sense I don't of understand. that. So Be- if you're looking for value, it is a homer pick. But 15 to one to get there? I think that that might be the best value on the board. Yeah, I think there's a ton of value there because, like you said, the, the Bulls have been battling through some injury issues, obviously, the last few weeks. And I, is what DeMar DeRozan's been doing the last, you know, two weeks sustainable? No. Mm-hmm. But he's still having a really good year, and even a regression from that is still a really good MVP caliber player. And Zach Levine, as we saw in the All-Star break, healthy, he's back and playing. Lonzo Ball will be back in a couple weeks. Alex Caruso is coming back in a couple weeks, and we've seen how important that he is to that. the, the way the Bulls play defensively. They're a completely different team. Tristan Thompson provides what we were, I, I believe you actually called that like early on in the season. Uh, on this podcast, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, could be mistaken, but um, big man depth. He, he provides that big man depth that we were talking about yeah. at the beginning of the year. Like, hey, maybe you have to trade Kobe White for somebody. Didn't have to trade Kobe White for somebody who's developed into the, you know, fill in starter when somebody's out. But more importantly, the much needed, you know, bench scoring that this team has needed mm-hmm. for quite some time. If the Bulls are 100% fully healthy, they have a chance. They have. They can absolutely compete with Miami. They can absolutely compete with Boston. They can compete with the big dogs. You know, the the Bucks, the Sixers, the Nets. If they're at full strength, can they beat them in a seven game series? They probably need a little bit of help somewhere along the way. But like, they can compete with those teams. But I think the problem is with the Bulls is they need to be fully healthy for that to happen. They yeah. need to have, especially you know, if you look at Lonzo or Caruso, if they're not right come playoff time, they're they're going to struggle quite a bit, especially Caruso. We've seen how it's wild, how big of a difference one guy makes one guard makes to how that def- that team plays defensively, but they're a mm-hmm. completely different team when he's on the floor, but they're yeah. going to get Caruso back. They're going to get uh, Lonzo back. Patrick Williams, it sounds like is probably going to come back at some point this year. And if that team gets fully healthy, that's a really, really, really deep basketball team. And we saw the last, you know, last year, the, depth the deep teams that had you know eight nine ten guys that could play at all times the suns obviously the suns had some star power too devin booker took the next step like they were a deep team the bucks were a deep team and those are the teams that actually ended up coming out representing and i think the nba is is swinging towards that a little bit with the age of these with these stars kind of aging and being more injury prone yeah because it boils down to the simple fact of this demar Derozan can carry this team we're we're lucky and thankful that we have that sort of talent to carry you through each week of guys being injured and win two of three every week and him score 45 a night it's been spectacular that is not how you win a seven game series i I don't know that it's possible to win a seven game series and say demar we need 45 four times mm-hmm. over the next two weeks. Like, you, you just can't against the Boston Celtics, against yes. the Milwaukee Bucks, against the Brooklyn Nets. I, I just don't think that that's possible or sustainable. So, to your point, at full strength, I love the Bulls at 15 to 1. I, I, I saw a really interesting, uh, like, heat map graphic. I, I should have shared it. I, I forgot to share it on my socials, but it was who has scored the most points from each area on the court. And DeMar had the most areas covered. And it was free throw line and the whole left side mid-range was DeMar. Uh, Baseline three was Boyan Bogdanovic. Uh, Straightaway three was Steph. Left wing three was Steph. I forget who right wing was. Uh, Nikola was under the cup and right side block. Uh, Giannis was left side block. So I'm just sharing this as it was interesting information to see how dominant DeMar has been across the mid range. And yes, we know that, but it's, it's cool to see it in, in, it's cool to see it relative to the rest of the league and say, who's been the most dominant in the most areas of the court. And it's our guy. So if you put the pieces back around our guy, I think we have as good of a chance as anybody except the Milwaukee Bucks and the Sixers to win the Eastern Conference. I say the Milwaukee Bucks because I think they are head and shoulders better than anyone in the Eastern Conference. Mm -hmm. 
I say the Sixers because I don't think we match up well with the 76ers. No, I don't think the Bulls match up terribly well with them. I do think the addition of Tristan Thompson kind of helps that at least a little bit because, I mean, Vooch is you can obviously your starting. Bodies. Yeah, Vooch is your starting center. He's never going to be fooled as the, you know, you're never going to look at him as the uh, the greatest defensive center. Um, Thompson kind of gives them that option off the bench, but still that's just, that's just not a great matchup for them. Um, DeRozan, Let's, you mentioned the, you mentioned yeah, the free ahead. throw line. Like that is something that obviously the Bulls are better this year than they've been, you know, ever the last, you know, 10 years. But DeRozan gives them that guy that can get to the free throw line that they really haven't yes. had since Derek Rose. Like as good as Zach Levine has been, Zach never really – Got the uh, he never really had the ability. He was never getting to the line all that like all that often the last few years, and he was the best player on this team. DeRozan's given them that guy, and come you know in the regular season that's hugely important. Come playoff time, that's going to be hugely important that they have a guy that can you know penetrate defenses and get themselves to the free throw line. And and he's been good at the free throw line. That that's going to be a huge part of this offense. And yeah, he's not going to be able to do what he's doing right now forever, but he's going to be very good. And they're going to need Zach Levine to get fully healthy, which it seems like he is, and be that complimentary 1A, 1B kind of star that he's been at times this year. They're going to need him to be that guy. Uh, completely co-sign what you're saying there in terms of the free throw line. Just to clarify the heat map, I believe that was not free throw scoring, but jump shots from gotcha. that okay. area. God, so, okay, that also makes sense. So DeMar all season just rise up from the elbows and dominate. And that is our path to to the NBA Finals this year. We'll see if we can do it. Let's pivot to the Western Conference here, uh, have a far more brief conversation because I'm sorry. Sorry, it's a two-team race. Phoenix, yeah. Golden State, representing similar odds here. Phoenix, plus 190, your favorite to win the West. Golden State, plus 210. Um, I don't know how, but Vegas is essentially saying the Los Angeles Lakers have just as good a chance of winning the Western Conference as the Bulls do the East. They're 16-1. to 1. They are the sixth favorite. Give me a freaking break. They could miss the play-in. They're four games shy of 500. They are in the ninth seed right now, and they are a bad basketball team. So, again, Vegas cannot be exposed to L.A. money. That's why those numbers are there. But let's talk about the top of the board here, Phoenix and Golden State. For my money, Golden State, and I'll get right to it, is my pick to win the NBA championship. They're going to win the West. They're going to win the championship. They have been absolutely outstanding without Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. with Steph having the worst shooting season of his career close to. Like, Steph has not been great, and they've still been good. They've still been the best team in the West close to. Clay is rounding into form. Jonathan Kaminga has been a revelation at 19 years old. You got a guy, a first overall pick, or a, excuse me, a lottery pick in Weissman coming back. You've got Draymond coming back in the next couple weeks. They are not yet complete and are already a complete team. And that should scare everybody. You have two generational shooters. You have so much talent down in the blocks. And everybody thinks of this as a three-point shooting team that added Kevin Durant and that was their dynasty. Well, if you look at their championship seasons, in each of their years that they went to the NBA, they were a top-five defensive team. And that is the hidden identity of this mm-hmm. Golden State team. They play amazing defense on the perimeter and around the rim. You just got back a guy in Clay Thompson who is a willing defender out on the perimeter, and you have all these big bodies around the cup. I think they're the most complete team. They're my pick to win the championship. Yeah, you brought up the defensive point. That's what I, I think I heard Ryan Rosillo talking about on a podcast and kind of made the same exact point. Like, yeah, they're this team. They're, they're dynasty years, those good years, they're – they were a team that could obviously outscore you and then put up 130 on a any on any given night. But those years that they were that good were the years that they were finishing top five, top ten in the NBA defensively, and they're getting back to that. Um, they're getting healthy. I, 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 Jonathan Kaminga is probably a name. And being totally honest with you, I hadn't even heard up until this point. Um, Oh, he's been so he was he was the uh, part of the uh, G League Ignite team last year for when his college season. That's why you haven't heard of him. But he would have been Naismith Award winner, Player of the Year, twenty two a night, twelve a night. Like he is, he is the next big um, to me, and he's like. He's not just like a static big in the post. He can rim run. He can go up and catch oops. 
I, I think people expected this of him over the next maybe four years. He has come into the league and said, I'm ready for NBA basketball. I, I encourage you to watch him play. I encourage you to watch some Kaminga, maybe even find a cut up on YouTube because I think he might be the piece that unlocks the next level of this uh, of this Warriors team. You know, now that we have football, obviously, in the rear view, it's it's the time I start shifting focuses to other sports like the NBA because this is kind of down the home stretch, and I fully intend and watch it. I, I, I know the East fairly well just because the Bulls are in it, and I watch the Bulls a decent amount, but this is now the time where, you know, the NBA on TNT on Thursday nights, those late games I start tuning into. I want to get a little bit more familiar with the Warriors, a little bit more for, more familiar with the Suns. Um, the, uh, the Grizzlies, I, I haven't watched a ton of this year, but John Morant seems like he's just – taking even an even further step than he took last year. It's probably going to be the Warriors, and I would bet on the Warriors. I don't know if you said the odds yet, but I would imagine they have to be the favorites out West. But, man, when, when the Warriors... Second the Suns, favorite at plus 210. Suns okay. are your favorite at plus 190. When the Warriors and Suns almost inevitably go at it in the Western Conference Finals, that should be an unbelievably fun series to watch. Like, that... that that's going to be an amazing basketball series. I do think the Warriors come out of it. I think the Warriors are probably your NBA champions as well. Um, but, man, those two are going to be very fun to watch come playoff time. Yeah, and the Suns are having to deal with their own attrition right now. Chris Paul dealing with, uh, I believe, a broken thumb or a sublux thumb, something like that. They're saying four to six Subluxed? Yeah, I know what subluxed. What does that even mean? That's the shoulder. Joe's word of the day. Sublux. Subluxation is when you uh, dislocate your shoulder, oh. and I believe it's a full dislocation, like it doesn't go back in. I think there's another term for when it goes. Oh. I think when it goes back in, or I, might, I might have that move. I might have that uh, mixed up. I think subluxation is when it goes back in on its own. Whatever. He's on ice for at least a month is what okay. they're saying. So maybe you try and find the silver lining in that and say you're going to have a I think fresh Chris Paul, 36, 35, 36, somewhere in that range. You're going to have mm-hmm. a aging Chris Paul who's been amazing all season long, who's had this renaissance over the last couple of years here in Phoenix. Maybe you have a fresh Chris Paul who you just try and ramp up the last couple of weeks of the season and get him ready for playoff basketball. Uh, the, the flip side of that is you're probably going to slide to, may, at worst, the two seed here, I think. So it, it's not the worst thing in the world. Um I think Phoenix is equipped to do it as well with Devin Booker really grasping his powers as of late. DeAndre Ayton has been great. Um, they're such a fun team to watch. So to your point, Western Conference Finals between those two signed me up twice. Uh, mm-hmm. I gave you my pick. I think it's Golden State to win the whole thing. I think it's uh, out east. My pick right now is Milwaukee. I gave out a pick earlier, I believe it was before the season on HQ, that it was going to be Golden State, Philadelphia, I'm stepping off the Philadelphia pedal still just for all the question marks. I, I got to go with the with the with the safety pick here. So I got Milwaukee Golden State with Golden State winning it all. What's it look like to you? Yeah, it's it's funny. Obviously opinions change and predictions change from the beginning of the year, but I think you said on HQ you had the Sixers Warriors at one point. Now you have Warriors Bucks and that uh, I think early, I think actually beginning of the year you and I both uh, had Warriors Nets. So you kind of got your bases there covered. With Was that the, it? Okay, perfect. I think so. You got your bases covered out east. Um, you know what? Man, you know what I, I want, neither of us said, and we should be proud of because anyone who said L.A. Lakers should no, be embarrassed. They should was, have their. They should have whatever platform. They should be deplatformed. You knew going whatever into, their platform is, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a national broadcast, whether it's a local broadcast. There were so many people beating the Lakers drum saying, oh, mm-hmm. Le- LeBron just put together the Avengers. Oh, he's got Russ. He's going to have Melo coming off the bench. It's a team of old dudes. Yes, I feel I, like it everybody. LA, it was the LA Fitness Retreads team is what I called it preseason, and that's exactly what they've been. It's been yeah, awful. I, mean, I think everybody kind of knew that. Like when, when they went out and got Not Russ. Everybody. I mean, mo- okay, most people not trying to spin ratings on Fox okay. Sports 1. Um I feel like every for most people when they made the rust deal was like this doesn't make sense. This is not what they need. This is just more of you know adding to the problem. Like this is magnifying the problem that they already have. And I, I it just it didn't that move didn't make sense. And I think I think a lot of people kind of saw this as a well this could backfire, but it's what LeBron wants. So what LeBron wants is what he gets. And I think just. What we've seen in years past is LeBron kind of likes playing with his buddies, likes playing with veterans that he can quote unquote trust, even though now Russ has kind of been you know, diminished to a bench player almost on that team. So, yeah, like in, in summary, LeBron's 
demanding to be the GM of whatever team that he's on has kind of gone ahead and ruined the Lakers this year and probably for the rest of his time there. And it's, you'll probably end up leaving at some point before that contract ends because his son's going to come into the league and the Lakers will be a lot worse off for it. But I guess, you know, they they did get their one title. So more power to them, I guess. Got the Mickey Mouse championship. Congrats. Um, but, you know, this is this is going to be something that's interesting as time passes to chew on. If LeBron does, and he's already laid the seeds, as you've said, to, he's going to go wherever his son goes when he comes in the league. First of all, are we sure Bronny James is... He will be in the league old. somewhere. Okay. There's some growth. There's some growth that needs to happen over the next three years. Also, where is he going to go... Is LeBron? Who is LeBron going to be in three years? And there are no, there's no there's little to no signs of him slowing down. Now this mm-hmm. is not twenty two year old LeBron carrying a team of nobodies to the championship in Cleveland, but he is carrying this Lakers team. His average is like thir- I think twenty nine thirty points per yeah, game. He's having like eight rebounds a game. Six re- yeah, and because he has to, yeah. and he's sort of made his own bed, and now he's laying in it quite well. It's just not equating to wins. And I say it's going to be interesting to see how history remembers this because if we've seen LeBron's last triumph and the bubble championship is his last championship to his name, that's his last ring. And then he goes into this weird Lakers era of shadow GM and it not working. Are we going to knock him for that? Or do we, is history going to say he averaged 30 on that team. They just didn't win anything. Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a, another data point that we wrestle over when looking at LeBron's legacy. And I'm not here to knock his legacy. He's been the greatest of the last two decades and he should be celebrated as such. He's given the game so much. He's given us great moments. He's played the role of hero. He's played the role of villain. He's done everything for the league. So it, it's a complete legacy already. Um, we're not here to have the Jordan LeBron conversation once a week, but I think that it was very interesting to see them all-star weekend dap it up because LeBron was very forthcoming and saying, you know, Mike and I have not had a lot of uh, interaction over the last two decades and to see them shake it up. And Michael, you know, I think the words that he shared with him was sort of the conversation of, the, the camera cuts into them talking about, you know, things are tough or whatever, this and that. And Michael says to LeBron, if anybody can do it, I know you can. And he taps him on the heart and says, like, it's here. Mm-hmm. And I think Michael's only comfortable saying that because he knows it's it's not. Not that yeah. it's not in his heart, but that it's not but He knows that he for, can't do it. For, he knows that LeBron cannot carry this team to a championship, and that's why Michael yeah. shared those words and shared that handshake for that beautiful NBA 75 celebration. So, I don't know. Time will tell how we remember this era of LeBron and Laker basketball, but uh, it's a it's another chapter to an already storied career. I just don't think it's one that ends uh, in, in a fairy tale fashion. How funny were those? Uh, the that's speaking of the NBA seventy five for the the guys that either didn't want to go or couldn't make yeah, it. Yeah, they like to told them fake to wave to the crowds. Something. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that those were hysterical. I was like, Scottie Pippins was by far the worst. He looked like he was just completely out of it. Larry Bird the gloss, like it was yeah. hilarious. I nice see Dennis Rodman. Oh, to see Dennis and Michael share a hug. But okay, if there's ever any question, and yeah, let's have the conversation of who's the goat. But just briefly, if there's sure. any ever question, who is the greatest of all time? Look at how LeBron was received by his peers, and then look at how Michael was received. They put Michael at the. They put Michael on. Michael stage got his own alone, circle, s- surrounded by the rest of those players. LeBron got dirty looks from Kevin Garnett. Like it was, but it was pretty apparent to see. Like Michael got a bigger eruption in Cleveland than LeBron did. If you're ever wondering who the greatest of all time is, roll that tape because the players themselves treat Michael with a reverence that they don't treat LeBron. And maybe maybe in time, the players will treat LeBron with that same reverence, but it's pretty apparent who 
who Michael and LeBron's peers think is the greatest of all time. It's uh, that's that's very well said. I think it was fairly obvious uh, on that night. Let's get a little NFL talk in here, Matt. I think we've, we have to. Uh, We're exhausted still the NBA pod. conversation. We are a football pod, 24-7, 365, 52 weeks a year here on the Moose and Roots podcast. We're going to give you some NFL content. And with that, we begin our divisional whip around one division a week. Who needs what? beginning this week in the NFC West, which for my money, and now things change, teams change, personnel change, coaches change, but for my money, I think this is the deepest division in football this past year and this coming year. Uh, South, nothing to show for itself. AFC West is going to be really strong again. I think the two Western divisions are your two best divisions in football, at least heading into the season. Um Beginning in the NFC West this week, Arizona Cardinals, Los Angeles Rams, San Francisco 49ers, Seattle Seahawks. Seems like a weird thing to say, but everybody but the Seahawks has a chance. You know, the Seahawks mm-hmm. to be this powerhouse, but you got a quarterback who might not be there. you got a coach who, depending on what the quarterback situation is, might not be there for much longer either. So in Seattle, their greatest need for me is stability. Uh, what do you think the greatest need is in Seattle? I just, getting younger on defense. I, 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 yeah. That defense has needed an overhaul for a while. They unfortunately traded a boatload of picks for Jamal Adams when they just didn't really need to do that because they weren't in a position to win with him right away. Um, they, they need to. They, I forgot uh, where the, exactly they're drafting this year, but the, you know, seven and ten team. They're kind of towards the top there. Just start drafting defense. Try and rebuild that defense as best you can. If you're if you're retaining Pete Carroll, which they are, I mean, that's kind of his his side of the ball, his expertise, like go, go figure out a way to get younger on defense, draft defense. Russ has a decent amount of help on offense. Maybe find yourself a tackle or something, but that offense is going to be fine. If Russ is healthy, go find some defensive help. That's what they need. I, I, I think that from a, from an on field and personnel st- standpoint, that's the exact correct decision. Uh, like I said, for me, I think their greatest need is stability, yeah. meaning, their greatest need is somebody they already have in the building, but probably won't be in the building at the start of next season. Uh, he's been very quiet about it, um, Russell Wilson, but I think that it's over. I think that he wants a fresh start somewhere else. I think he's seen uh, these two quarterbacks and Matthew Stafford and Tom Brady go somewhere else and immediately succeed. I think he. I think he still probably thinks that he can be that somewhere else. I think he can. Uh, be. I just it's it's that's why I thought it was so strange that they did keep Pete Carroll because you yeah. obviously it's not he's it's not Russell Wilson moving. But if you move on from Pete Carroll, give Russell Wilson some input on who he'd like to see hired as their head coach. Um, that is a fresh start for Russell Wilson, while not in a different city or uniform with a different you know everything else around the team and program. So that was a little yeah. bit interesting for me. San Francisco 49ers have a lot of uh, questions that need answers before we get into next season. Mainly, a similar question to Seattle. Who the hell is your quarterback? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has taken this team to the NFC title game two of the last three years. He has been to the Super Bowl one of those years. He was a incompletion, not on his own accord, away from winning a Super Bowl three years ago. And they're going to move on from him because of the draft capital that they spent on Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's the wrong decision. So I think what San Francisco needs, and I'm going to go a little bit uh, ambiguous, not ambiguous, I'm going to go a little bit uh, non-material here. I think they need humble pie. I think John Lynch needs to swallow his pride and say, I was wrong. I mortgaged the future on an asset that I now need to trade. You've got to get someone else to believe in Trey Lance because you've got a quarterback in the building. And I think that the best approach for San Francisco would be whole hog Neither of these guys are the starting quarterback next year. You package whatever you need to to get that guy from Green Bay in your building because that accomplishes two things, which I'm sure is number one worry on on Aaron Rodgers' mind right now is moving to the AFC. If he's going to leave, it's got to be within the NFC. So his road to the championship can be just as easy as mm-hmm. it is right now. Now he's going to go to the most, what I just called the most difficult division in football from one of the easiest divisions in football, but you still stay in the, in the NFC and avoid mm-hmm. all of those quarterbacks in the AFC. If you go to San Francisco, your hometown, it's got all of those storylines built into it. Now, what would that package look like? I'm not sure that it exists. 
But if you want to move on from Jimmy, I don't think Trey's the answer. Big quarterback questions out in front of this team. Already a stud defensive crew. You got Kyle Shanahan, who's going to get the most out of his offense in that run game. You, now you did lose your run game coordinator, uh, Mike McDaniel, who's now going to be the head, co- uh, head coach in Miami. So there's a lot of moving parts for every team each year. If you can get Aaron Rodgers to San Francisco, you're the favorite. You're the favorite to win a championship. If you don't have to give up your entire defense, you're the favorite to win the championship if 12 is your quarterback in San Francisco. If he's not, and Trey Lance is your quarterback, and you deal Jimmy Garoppolo, I think you're a non-factor in the division and in the conference. Yeah, you, you covered all the needs for – I mean, it, it's their most glaring need. It was also mine, too, a quarterback. But I was I was even going a little bit more ambitious. Um, another guy from the area that is in, not – it's currently the year off, I, you know, he might be taking the year off, but it, it, he also might just be wanting out of Tampa Bay. And I would be calling Tom Brady, calling Tampa Bay anything to try and get that guy to come back out of retirement. The one month retirement he's been in and gauge that interest because Aaron Rodgers is the same way. If Tom Brady is on that football team, there is no doubt they are the favorites to win the NFC. They are the favorites to win the Super Bowl. And they probably do win the Super Bowl next year. Um, so that it, and if you are, if, if that's the route you want to go, it's probably just for a one-year thing with Tom because before he probably hangs it up again. And if you don't want to, you know, totally give up on the Trey Lance thing yet, who better for Trey Lance to sit behind for one more year than, uh, you know, the greatest to ever do it. Um, so that for me is their biggest need. Outside of quarterback, Tom Brady. I don't know, maybe another receiver, like a possession idiots. guy. The guy who retired and the guy who just won back-to-back MVPs in Green Bay. Those are the two biggest needs. The wild but, thing is, the wild thing is, both crazy. of those are not that crazy. Like, they're yeah. very, they are not out of, I wouldn't say they're more likely than not, but they're not out of the realm of possibility that either of those two guys could be the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers on day one. Uh, Los Angeles Rams need nothing. They need, uh, you know what they need? They need a jewelry cloth to shine that beautiful Tiffany's trophy that they just put in the trophy case. Uh, But in all honesty, everybody's doing cap gymnastics heading into next season, so they got to get that number uh, to a point where they can fill some of the needs, where they can uh, defer some of that money long term. I think we went over uh, last week some of those options that they have in terms of cutting that 10 per with Robert Woods and uh, deferring some of that number to a bonus for Cooper Cup so that they could keep Odell and keep Von Miller and in turn keep Aaron Donald. Not that he needs a new contract, but he said that if Von and OBJ are back, he's back. So. I think if I had to boil it down to one thing that the Los Angeles Rams need, I think my answer would be Aaron Donald. You need to just get him to do away with any acting career or any retirement thoughts. I think Mm -hmm. that that defense is so predicated on his production in the middle um, that if he's there, the pieces around it will work. Offensively, Matthew Stafford showed that he could be prolific in this offense as long as he's got Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, add, you know, insert wide receiver number two here, and that's an amazing offense. Cam Akers showed you that not only is he a bionic man in coming back from an Achilles tear in like mm. five months' time, um, but that with his feet under him, he can be a stud. You have Henderson as an offset back. You're probably going to need to shore up the tackle position. So I think that would be my yeah, one that was mine. here, uh, expecting uh, Whitworth to retire, and you got to shore up that position. So I'd say in the trenches, getting things shored up at tackle and making sure that AD is still there. Uh, you that was Keeping Aaron Donald, I think, should absolutely be top priority. The other one you said is your 1B. Andrew Whitworth, if he hasn't officially announced it yet, is very, very likely gone, going to retire. Brandon Allen, their center, is going to be a free agent and probably going to be a guy that's going to get paid elsewhere. Uh, So for me, it's reloading on that offensive line. You don't have the draft picks. Um, obviously, his, his less need made very clear when he was joking around in the uh, in the parade. You don't have the draft picks. You're going to have some some cap maneuvering. So figuring out how to retool that offensive line, because as we saw with their counterpoint in the Super Bowl, if you're not shirt up on that offensive line, it really doesn't matter how much talent you have on the offensive end, because you could not really have any time to do anything you want. So figuring out with their cap situation, with those guys retiring, with no draft picks, 
how to how to rebuild that offensive line, retool it, and, and get themselves into a, a Super Bowl caliber group again. Yeah, um, but I think they're primed. I, I don't know. I'm not. I don't have the odds in front of me. I think that's the favorite to win the division. To be honest with you, um, least question marks at least at the quarterback position. Look at those three other teams: San Francisco question mark at the quarterback position, Seattle mm-hmm. question mark at the quarterback position, Arizona not have a question mark at the quarterback position. Those talks yeah. seem to have quelled a bit. Uh, around Kyler Murray wiping his Instagram of all signs of Arizona, Arizona wiping their Instagram of all signs of Kyler Murray. Um, Love social media. Again, Kyler was great last season for 12 weeks. The year before that, Kyler was great for 12 weeks. Yeah. He's shown that in the second half of the season, he's going to take bumps and bruises that he cannot play through. I, I, I came out and said some crazy things that Kyler Murray would never win seven games as a starting quarterback. Uh, I believe I have that on tape out in Sacramento on radio. Um, you know, it's fun to watch guys do things differently. Seldom do guys succeed when they're trying to do things differently. Um, Kyler Murray, there are a lot of question marks around for me right now. Biggest need for Arizona to you, Matt, is what? I mean, they need to figure out how to protect Kyler or change the way. I don't want to say totally change the way Kyler plays because what makes Mm -hmm. him as good as he is is his ability to run. But he needs to, I I guess, adjust his mindset a little bit and realize he he needs to figure out how to conserve his health, how to conserve himself, how to take less shots uh, early on in the year so he's healthy towards the end. Uh, I, I don't know if that's a strict, you know, this is what you need to do in the off season. I, I figuring out right how to keep though. Kyler upright. And Kyler needs to, you know, go to the tape, watch the film, and see like, hey, is this a watch his games and be like, hey, was this shot in the second quarter of week two against you know the Dolphins really one that I needed to take? Because those add up, especially when you're five foot seven, five foot eight like Kyler is. They add up for Lamar Jackson, who's a big dude. Add it up for Cam Newton, who's a big dude. When you're five foot seven and a you know 160 pounds like Kyler is, um, those shots add up even quicker. So for me, not necessarily changing the way that Kyler Murray plays because that would affect his what he does so well, but adjusting how you play and adjusting your mindset, adjusting your approach to the game because that that needs to change if he's going to be a you know sustainable 16 week or 17 week now I should say you know starter NFL quarterback playoff performer. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I guess I don't have a personnel decision that they need to make. Um, Bring Chandler so Jones back. That, that's probably yeah. a big one because he's he's going to cost you a lot of money, but he's their Stay guy. Focused. He's the one that gets the How pressure. About this? Stay focused. It seems like their focus wavered. Now a lot of that is regarding Kyler being hurt and mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins going down for the remainder of the season. So I, I just think that this is a team that. Looked great for 10 weeks and then forgot who they were. So yeah. whatever it's going to take to stay focused on the task at hand, does that fall in the lap of Cliff Kingsbury? I think uh, pretty squarely it does. That's what they got to do. Uh, we're, we're, on, we're in lockstep again. Look at yeah, us. I don't know if the people remember. I think the, pe- I think the people, people might forget from time to time that we are a golf podcast. We and are this a golf week, podcast. That is true. It is about a personal golf experience. Don't want to go too in-depth. Uh, no spoilers for next week's pod, which is going to be a Rooney-centric golf pod talking about the greatest golf trip that the family has ever taken. Uh, yeah. But we do need to, you know, in a timely fashion, touch on this trip. So I'll ask you this. Northern California, Pebble Beach, Snapshot in your mind as you're in the rocking chair at 65 years old. What are you going to remember? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, every 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 aspect of Pebble exceeded expectation. I, I, 18 was unbelievable, and standing on 18 is surreal. Standing on 17 is surreal. I, I think though, for you me, feel like you're in the ocean on that team. You really, you really do. But walking up. Six, that that massive, you know, upslope on up six. the hill, the par five. Being on that, I think what I'll remember most is the the view from like the view and just the, the majesticness, I guess, if you majesty, if you want to call it majesty, that, like from yes, yes, from good. that that like that peak, that kind of cliff was. 
I've never experienced anything like that on a golf course. I've not, I have not played in, in Scotland where they're in Ireland, where there's a, a lot of, you know, cliffs and all that stuff like that. But being up there, I think, and, and seeing that view, being able to kind of see, you know, the upcoming six or seven holes that you were going to being able to look back a little bit on what you just played, uh, that hole for me, that, that spot up on top of the course, I think is probably the one thing that will stick out in my mind. Yeah, because you're you're waiting to you're waiting to go play seven, the little postage stamp after six, and mm-hmm. they, they also how they many, fit a hole. It's just, it just makes no me. sense. It makes no sense. Um, many regard the second shot at six as the best second shot in golf, or at least the best second shot on a par five in golf. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks like looks like you're hitting. What would would you take there on the second shot? Were you? I was in a hybrid up the hill. Like I had, I had a six there? iron up the hill. Um, six I, iron up the hill. Looks like you're hitting it into a wall. Like it yes, doesn't it look does. like you can get a ball high enough to get it up onto that second tier of fairway. He, the, the caddy's like, hey, like it's just giving you a spot on the hill. Like, yeah, if you hit it over there, you're fine. If you're left of there, you're probably not. Right of there, you're probably not. So just kind of hit that hit that spot. It's like, oh, okay, well that's that's very comforting. Um, I have two more amazing. I have two Go more ahead. golf trip related questions. Sure. One of them is going to have a bit of an assumption. I've heard in the past, and I'm not going to knock Pebble. It's a place that I've only walked. I've never played. Mm-hmm. Um, covered tournaments there. I've seen it in its best conditions. But I've yeah. heard that in non-tour weeks and off-season hours for $600, the conditions could be better. How did you assess the conditions of the course in your walk? I thought the conditions were fantastic. I thought the greens were in great shape. Uh, I, I, I didn't have any issues. There were they just taken down some grandstands not long mm-hmm. uh, from the from the pro am. So naturally, there were some spots you know along eighteen and certain fairways. There was there, actually you know it was really more just eighteen. Um, mm-hmm. Like there was some some brown grass still because you know the, the grandstands had been there for so long. Seventeen still had some up, but I think uh, there were zero issues for me in terms of conditions. I thought it was still in magnificent shape. Okay, and you could take me anywhere here on this last question. Doesn't sure. have to be Pebble. Anything from the week, the weekend. You know, you go into this because. These are courses we've played in our minds time yeah. and again. Um, these are courses that we've seen the pros play. These are courses that we've, you know, consumed YouTube content about, that we, yeah. uh, that we have pictures on our walls over. What were you not expecting about this trip that you experienced? Was there something, a hole, a shot, a moment, a clubhouse, something that you were not expecting caught you off guard regarding this trip? Uh, I... I, I talked about a little bit in the opening, but I was not expecting Spyglass Hill to be a top three golf course I've ever played. Not that there's any course uh, over there that's a throwaway because they're all amazing courses, but I was just kind of expecting that to be another course. And that was the one of the most unique and amazing golf courses I, it's it's for me it's uh, pebbles the best i've ever played after that it's it's port rush and spyglass or you know 2a 2b in no particular order um i was not expecting to be as amazed by that course and it's really kind of two different golf courses the the first you know one through uh i think it's one through five one through six are along the water and you, you see the ocean and that's kind of what we expected to be like, oh, one through five are going to be awesome. And then it's going to kind of just be a nice golf course the rest of the way. While you didn't have the views from six through 18, the golf course got a lot better as it got back into the forest. And I, again, I don't want to delve into it too much because we'll talk about it a little bit next or a lot next week, I should say. But that like six through 18 had like there were holes that reminded you of Augusta. Like it made you feel a little like had like an Augusta type feel mm-hmm. to it, had an Augusta type vibe to it. And all of us were left that saying like, there was like, there are certain courses you'll play even on that trip, not necessarily pebble as much, but like Spanish Bay and Pasa Tiempo is as nice as they were. There were a couple holes that were just kind of Mac golf holes, you know, not necessarily throwaway golf holes, but fine. I, Spyglass didn't have an even have an average golf hole. They had 18 fantastic hmm. holes of golf. Um, so I, I can't speak highly enough about Spyglass Hill. Is it Pebble Beach? No, because Pebble Beach is the only Pebble Beach, and it's along the ocean and all that. But Spyglass was right up there with it, and I did not expect that. All right. Two-part question. Or excuse me. Two more questions. I lied. Sure. Uh, and the I'll, second question is going to be a two-part question. Ask me any question. questions you want. But the first question. 
Power rank them. Courses you played, power rank them. Uh, Pebble, Spyglass, Spanish, Pasa. Um, I believe okay. my brothers would probably have Pasa ahead of Spanish. Um, but there's two different golf courses. Spanish is more of a linksy style, kind of wide open, which fit, not only fits my game a little bit more, but I just I like the look of it a lot better. I like the scenery of it a lot better. Pasa is a lot more like an old school kind of country club type vibe to it, which mm-hmm. is still a really nice course. Uh, but I would have Spanish ahead of Pasa. Not that there's anything wrong with Pasa Tiempo. And, and Pasa Tiempo is also, that's your conduit to um, Augusta National there. Alistair McKenzie yeah. designed mm-hmm. both Pasa Tiempo and Augusta National. So Drove so drove right past Alistair McKenzie's house on the uh, the sixth fairway. Like like you drove the, golf, the ball. No, the golf cart. The golf cart. <laughs> no, that would have been um, a mammoth drive, Joseph. And then my final question here. You, you alluded to it already, at least to me personally via text. When is round two of this trip, and can I be first alternate? I would, I would, I'd put you in the running for first alternate. I, I believe okay. there will be right, a – So that's uh, a no. Uh, that's probably a no. Is what we'll say. That's my <laughs> nice way of saying absolutely not. Hey, hey, if you want to book a room the same weekend, we, we probably have – I can watch we, you guys play? No, I was going to say, we, you want to – book a room and maybe get some get some guys to come we'll probably have a a spot or two open maybe in a foursome and, and you're more than welcome to that. come on come on and join the golf trip uh you can do that go. i'll save i'll save uh i'll save tjr the uh caddy fee and i'll i'll go full bib there you go i'll i'll, I'll just work the bag for my guy there you go i like that um you, you're more than welcome to come along. You can uh, you can play the hay with us. The hay was a, a really fun new par three. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So give give me a little bit of a, a rundown there. Is it like uh, is it like cradle vibes where it's yeah, laid it's back a little, or it's, it's a lot more like, cradle vibes. Um, you better they have a polo and a quarter zip and no, long no, pants on. It was it was fun when you're when you're there Saturday afternoon, which is when me and my brothers played it. Um, you know, everybody was, you know, walking around with, you know, beers and running back to the, the restaurant up top. And you're just carrying a couple of clubs. Like the group ahead of us was an eight some. And that, like, that's nice. fine. We're just, we're playing a nine. More of that, America. It, it, that was, More that was that. fantastic. Um, and then Sunday morning, it was when we drove past it, going to the range for uh, the, the, the driving range for Pebble and Spyglass was, or no, I'm sorry, sorry, Pebble and Spanish Bay is like right across the street from the hay. So you drive past it on Sunday morning, go into it. And it's a bunch of parents out there with their kids. And it's kind of like a, like a, it's very much a laid back vibe and something you can do with family on Sunday morning and also be, you know, friends going out and having some beers, having some fun. Uh, so it was definitely more of a cradle vibe. Wasn't full. The cradle is still the, the hay was a better course. The cradle is still the best vibes I think I've ever gotten. They had like, they had their own speakers going. So you didn't have to have your Bluetooth speaker with your phone. They were playing the music for you. They had like drink stands on three and six. So you didn't have to run back to the clubhouse or, you know, load your bag up with beers. Um, so that's the best vibe. But I think the hay is probably the best overall course plus vibe that I, I've experienced in one of those short courses and leave it to Pebble to figure out how to, you know, do that perfectly in the best way. A very cool experience. Again, uh, the pro shop was a plus two. Spoiler: that's that's going to be a <laughs> of course that's going to be a what five I, on the. What on the did I, uh, I texted you and I, I think you said over under three hundred dollars. And I just no, no, no I, I think it was oh. like three sixty five and a half was the over under, and you just laughed. I just said lol. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well good, when you get that, you've been on the complex, like the Pebble Beach. Yeah, three sixty five. Have you, have you like walked past, and a hat? Have you walked past like the shops and stuff when you were there covering the tournament? Like the yeah, uh, there's the putting green right there in the yeah, circle, and then and there's like the, five different pro shops right there. Yeah, it gives you the feeling of like a little bit of like a like a shopping center almost. There's you know the, the, there's a pro shop, there's a Jim Nance pro shop, the five vineyard finds. There's like of a course. gift shop. There's there's a, a kids one, and we didn't realize until Sunday morning. We we had a nine fifty tea time at Pebble, and you know the the four of us you know, body clocks are. A lot, you're getting you up there like 5.30. So we were up with some coffee and walking around around, you know, 7.30 local time up and down 18, went into the, the, the shops area again and went up to the, by the first tee at Pebble. And it was like, I haven't seen that pro shop before. That's a <laughs> nice one. So we walked into it and not, not that the one that we hit up first was, it was a bad pro shop, but oh, there was no, like, there's no, uh, polo in there there was no peter millar I was like that's kind of weird like they're missing some of the, the bigger you know golf brands and then we walk up into the one by the first tee and it's just oh we found the better pro shop with the more expensive <laughs> stuff well pretty good guess i'm pretty spending good. more money it was unbelievable though 
You only go to Pebble. You only go to Pebble so often. Uh, the Rooney's made their way down twenty-seven mile drive or seventeen. Seventeen mile drive. Seventeen. I give them ten extra. Uh, we're going to give you a full trip recap next week on the Moose and Roots podcast. That's going to be episode two forty-three of the pod, a Rooney family affair. So look forward to that. Um, but Matt, we do need to get in some buy or sell before we say goodbye to the people. Hit a couple we more do. topics. We do. All right, I'm going to lead things off and let's stay golf centric here. Buy or sell. After the comments we heard this weekend, Tiger Woods pledging that he will play on the PGA Tour again, uh, despite Jim Nance's best efforts, could not get a concrete answer of when. So buy or sell, Tiger plays on tour this season. Uh, still going to buy it. I, I, it's not going to be the Masters like all of us had hoped and expected. Or not, Expected might not be the right word, but I hope probably is, is the more correct one. Mm-hmm. Um we were talking about, you know, possible areas or spots for him to come back. The one you mentioned that I, I agree with would be a, a fantastic spot for him is the old course for the British Open. I mean, that's just it's an easier golf course to walk. It's an easier golf course to play. Uh, weather's not going to be all that great, obviously, being in, you know, where, where it's at in Scotland. But that seems like a spot for him to, to make his appearance. And the other one that jumped out at me, if it's, it's, it's earlier, it would be a, a bit of a jump, but uh, Jack's place, just because Tiger loves that tournament so much and kind of reveres that course and respects that feel. I, that's the only other one before then I think I could see, but from Jack's place, Judah, first weekend in June to the, to the British, the middle of July, there's not really one that jumps out at me. And I just, I don't see him coming back. He's not going to come back before the Masters. After the Masters, there doesn't really seem like a logical spot for him to come back. So I say yes, but it won't be till summer. Hopefully early summer, but probably midsummer. That Open Championship seems like a spot. Yeah, I say the Open Championship because it's the old course and the history and you know his personal history there as well. It's a flat walk, but... You know, we've seen Tiger in pot bunkers try and do crazy things with his legs before, so that would mm-hmm. be the counterpoint to that point. Um, the weather, if it's not uh, conducive, you don't want slippery footing under a reconstructed leg. So I'm hopeful that we see him this season. Like you said, though, I don't know where. Yeah, uh, no idea where yet. Hopefully, hopefully it comes back. I think it will, but we'll see. Hit me. Uh, buy or sell, we got to unfortunately talk about the mess that is Major League Baseball. Um, buy or sell, we lose regular season games this year. Uh, I buy that because the league already came out and said if there's no, uh, if we have not reached a agreement by the end of this week, that you're going to start cutting into regular season games. That's just the timeline of events. Mm-hmm. And not enough news came out of yesterday's meeting. They only met for, I think, two hours. Um, and they're meeting again today. Uh, the, I believe yesterday the players gave a proposal. Today the league's going to give a counter proposal. They're not close enough yet to indicate that a deal is imminent. So I think that we're playing a 142-game season because, again, that's what the TV contracts are signed for. That's all that matters to the owners, that they're going to get their full payday of 142 games. I think we lose about 20 games this season. Yeah, that that sounds about right. It does does seem like... While the proposal didn't go as well as as people had hoped or or thought it might yesterday, it seemed like yesterday there finally seemed to be some progress in terms of like urgency in the meetings and the negotiations. Like they actually talked instead of doing this thing where we're going to meet and then 10 minutes later we're going to leave. And that's what I just I don't understand with Major League Baseball. It it seems like it's the only well, hockey has obviously had its issues with the CBA. Like it, it doesn't seem like there was just unwillingness to talk. Baseball just seems to have this unwillingness to talk where it's like, well, we're going to meet and we met for 15 minutes and we'll talk again in two weeks. Like, why, why are yeah, you in? Yeah, the fact that they're meeting every day is not progress. That's literally yeah, the baseline what you, trying to get something like, done. I'm happy they're doing that now, but, like, why weren't you doing this a month ago? For two months, yeah. Like, what, what, is, like, what, what, what is the point in saying, well, okay, we'll meet in 10 more days because our proposal is going to change that much? So just sit in a room and hammer it out. Like, it's it, – it, I know I don't. We don't know the intricacies of what goes on to a collective bargaining agreement, but like, like, come on, like, talk to each other. This isn't. Uh, and, and what you said is probably right. It's the 142 threshold for for TV deals and all that, and that's really all that owner, owners care about. But like, I, I it, it doesn't make sense to me that 
both of these groups it's, are having money come out of their pockets to, because they're stubborn or whatever the hell it is. Well, the, the players are fighting for what they think is the protection that they deserve. Shout out to yeah. Phil Mickelson. Not a conversation we're having today. Okay, um, we'll not get into that one today. <laughs> RIP KPMG. And, and the owners are, are completely beholden to the bottom line. And those are the two things that just don't jive that often. And again, part of a greater conversation, it's baseball once again, slowly sipping from a cup of cyanide and killing itself. Yep. I, 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 I don't know any other way to put it. Uh, Matt, I got another one for you here. A crazy scene on Sunday evening between Michigan and Wisconsin that ended oh, yeah. uh, Juwan Howard. He didn't throw a punch. It ended him throwing an open hand and snatching some face of what was the wrong coach in the first place. But... Yep. Buy or sell, Juwan Howard, $40,000, and the remainder of the regular season is the proper suspension. Yeah, I, I buy it. I, I honestly wouldn't have been shocked if he was suspended a little bit longer. Um, the, the coach, whether it was a punch or an open-handed slap, whatever you want to call it, like he threw at another coach. And if players are yep. doing that, they're getting suspended for probably every bit as much or longer. Um, you can't have that. Um, he deserved every – yeah, should Greg Gard have grabbed his elbow and talked to him a little bit? No, but Juwan Howard was also jawing at him too, and like I don't know, you, you you're can't six so foot eight or whatever yeah. you are. Walk Greg Gard's, you, yeah, you know? just keep walking. Greg like, not Greg Gard's five eleven anywhere. Just yeah. just keep walking. Um, I you just lost seventy seven sixty three. Just walk. I think Juwan Howard's uh, fiery nature is what makes him. Great. I think it's what makes him a great coach. I think that's why players love playing for him. Um, but we've now seen last year there was a dust up as well. No punches were thrown. But this is yeah. This is a uh, becoming this a, is now a a behavioral pattern, and you can't have that. You got to nip it in the bud. You got to do something to let him know that this is not acceptable. I will talk out of the other side of my mouth right now and tell you that I kind of loved it. I'm sorry. College basketball. College basketball season oh, it's- just started. It's just, great for college was, basketball. That was the ball is tipped. That was the ball is tipped to me. That, That's like, fair. College basketball, Big Ten tournament, intrigue. Sometimes a grown man needs to get slapped in the face to get things going. I, it might be an unpopular opinion. It's an unprofessional opinion, but that's what podcasts are for. Yeah, this, this is not. This is not. Uh... This is not NBC. This is not CBS. This is the Most Friends podcast. We can have That's some it. some out there, Don't some fun opinions, and, and you're Don't probably correct because that is Joe. We probably wouldn't be talking about college basketball on this podcast if it weren't for that. Not obviously, we will be eventually, but we would not be right now uh, yeah. if that did not happen. And now we're kind of I'm back into it a little bit. We needed something to, to get back into once football is over, and that that's kind of reeling me back into college basketball a little bit. Yeah, football was over. NBA's on the All Star break. Baseball's arguing dollars and cents. Hockey's hockey. Mm-hmm. It's perfect time for a grown man to get slapped in the face. Is all I'm saying. That's it's perfect. <laughs> it's absolutely perfect. Uh, you got anything else for me, Matt? No, I think talking about grown men slapping each other in the face is a pretty perfect way to end the Most Immerns podcast. Not half bad, my friend. Uh, so with that, we thank you, as always, for listening to the Moose and Ritz podcast, this episode 242 of the pod. Enjoy the combine next week. Come yeah, back with some yeah. good stories, some good insight. We're, we're looking we're, forward we're, to hearing about that. We're going to chop it up. We're going to try and get drafted. If it doesn't work out, we're just going to pump out some good content. That's going to be the order You've of still operations got some good years there. Left. That's it. Uh, fresh legs. Fresh yeah, legs. That, there you go. Fresh uh, legs. Haven't you? Unlike Kyler, you've been not taking the big hits the last few years, so your body feels good. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try and uh, like. I'm gonna try and tailor a situation where Bill Belichick can watch me catch a football and be like, "I need that guy." Hey, uh, let's talk. If it doesn't work out, uh, I got a nice. I got a nice fall back here at HQ. There you go. But uh, we appreciate you guys as always for tuning into the pod. Get us up on Twitter. That was get at us and hit us up all in one. Yeah. Get us up on Twitter. Mailbags, Moose people. And Ruins. Send us the mailbags. Uh, we do have a few in the hopper right now. We're saving for a rainy day, but we don't have enough for a full mailbag pod. Coming and that's what Just we're always that trying out there. to get. 250 is coming up. We know we, we like to do mailbags pod. every 50. Come on. Bonus pod. Come on. want to be a part of that podcast, send us those mailbag questions either via text message or on Twitter at Moose and Runes. But for now, he's Matt. I'm Joe. Say goodbye to the people, Matt. Later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was...
Awesome! <laughs> Chicken or steak was phenomenal. <laughs>